Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Did you all survive? Did you all make it through the World Series? Did you make it through Speed Weeks? You know, surviving Speed Weeks might mean a little something different to each of us. Um, appreciate everybody who did listen to the little midweek show I did. I know that was a more like sentimental, you know, from my heart type show. Um, look, I, I approached the midweek Speed Week World Series show a little bit differently this year. Um, I, I did what I was able to do. I'm telling you, this uh, this World Series was crazy. It was busy. Um, so much going on. And look, busy during the World Series, busy during Speed Weeks is a good thing. If you're not, then, you know, there, there's not enough going on. And uh, I can confidently say that, that there was plenty going on. Um, there were enough moments to enjoy and relax and keep yourself geared up for the next go of things. But, um, you know, nine days, and listen, this year was nine days instead of ten. We got the break on Saturday. But nine days straight of getting up and going to the racetrack is tough. And I don't care if you're staying in your hauler at the racetrack. I don't care if you're staying in a hotel ten minutes down the road. I don't care if you're in the house next door. To be up, excuse me, every time I do this, freaking crap in my throat. Um, you know, doesn't matter to be at the racetrack until probably after midnight, close to midnight every day. And for some having to be up and ready around eight before eight, that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot in your body, your mind. And I said it earlier, your soul. So we on this episode are going to relive the last, well, Two weeks of craziness as Speed Weeks 2024 has come and gone. Um, And I say Speed Weeks because I'm talking New Smyrna, Daytona. I know Volusia was running too. I knew some other things happened. You all know where the focus is here on this show. If you went to Volusia, saw some sprint cars, which I know a lot of you did. That's badass. Those things are cool. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, Obviously, got to focus on what was in front of me, and that was the World Series at New Smyrna. And then, of course, I enjoyed the racing at Daytona as well. So um, first two segments, we're going to look division by division. And remember, two weeks ago on the preview show, uh, if you didn't listen to that, go listen to that first. Come back, listen to the recap. Uh, That way you're a little more up to par with what we're talking about. But I'm going to look back on all my picks. I still have them. And we're going to see just how wrong I was in certain things and how right I was on certain things. It's a, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, and that's what's fun about the World Series. You might think you know what's coming, and then it comes and you have no clue. So we had some pleasant surprises this year, which is uh, one of my favorite parts about the World Series. You just don't know what's going to happen. So first two segments, we're going to recap all five of the major divisions and... Uh, talk about some of the spectacular moments. I will highlight the bigger events as well when we get to those respective divisions. And um, in segment number three, we're going to talk about Speed Weeks at Daytona. Because as always, there's some exciting things to talk about. So we'll recap the 500. We've got our first score of the year as far as the races go. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I have a metric that I use to score the races. Um because I know this show is probably going to be long-winded and I'm trying to keep these things more consumable these days, uh, especially when we don't have guests, um, I, I will bring back the power rankings after Atlanta. Um, I just feel like Atlanta, pick 10 names, throw a dart at them, start them on your fantasy team. And uh, we do have fantasy 
to look at as well. As we've got another good group for the 2024 Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league. John Gross, if you're listening to this, still got to get with you. I was hoping I'd run into you at World Series, but I just I know how crazy the week gets. I have it in my car, so John, next time you're at the speedway, shoot me a message and say, "Hey, man, I'm here," and I'll make sure I get it to you. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing that for 24. So again, all of that coming your way on this episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast, brought to you by Act Racing. And if you don't know what Act Racing is, go watch the Speedway video highlight reels. <laughs> So let's uh, let's dive into this thing. We got a lot to look at. We're gonna start with we're gonna start the first segment um, with the super late models. We're gonna start with the late models here, and then segment number two will hit the modified. So that's how we're gonna break this down. Um, looking back at the super late models, I predicted that it would be Derek Griffith winning the World Series championship, and I was completely wrong. Um, unfortunately. His World Series ended on Tuesday during the ASA Stars National Tour Clyde Hart Memorial 200 from here on out called the Clyde Hart Memorial 200. Um, He was involved in a wreck with Billy Van Meter, and this is the first time I've ever seen Derek Griffith get upset. I mean, he full-on sprinted to Billy's window. It looked like he wanted the window net down, didn't it? Um, The more I watch it, the more aggressive he looked. Uh, Aggressive in a, uh, you know, not I'm going to beat the crap out of you way, but in like, I am pissed. Um, so, you know, I, I hate seeing the cars get torn up, but then again, you love to see the emotion of the drivers, man. This means a lot to these guys and Derek Griffith, he's really good. Um, and, and this is a big deal to that team. So a small, smaller team, obviously their car got destroyed and they were done for the week, which was too sad. I remember the next day seeing it kind of sitting out with the front end off. I wondered if they'd be able to put it back together. And I saw several teams working on their cars and some just, were torn up so bad that they just weren't able to continue. And that's part of surviving speed week. So definitely a swing and a miss there. Second, I had predicted uh, Giovanni Ruggiero. And he did great. couple of wins and second in points. He and Brent Cruz went to the championship tied for the Orange Blossom 100. Hell of a race. I mean, to watch those teammates race each other like they were bitter enemies was a lot of fun. So I, I missed here. Gio was second, uh, but again, a couple of wins, good series, second in points. And then at third, I had Brent Cruz. And I will tell you, Brent Cruz really, he surprised me, but not in the way like, oh, wow, I didn't see him coming, but how much he's progressed in a year. When he was in the Donnie Wilson Pro Late, they just didn't do much last year. But he hops in the Super Late model ride, and oh my goodness, he just, he like, grew leaps and bounds in front of our eyes over the course of, of eight nights. It was pretty astonishing. I mean, he ran well in the Clyde Hart. He got a couple of wins. He won the Orange Blossom. So he starts February winning the Red Eye. Obviously, that was a test in tune for them. That was to get the kid ready for the Super Late model. And he came out and won that. And then he goes and wins, I believe it was two races during the World Series. I do have the uh, championship stats pulled up here just to, to double-check some of these things. But... Uh, I know he he did a great job in in winning a, a couple of races during the World Series is nothing to sneeze at. Um, so my apologies. He he won once and it was the Orange Blossom, but he wins the championship. Great stat line to win five top fives, five top tens in the five races that were run. That's pretty awesome, pretty darn awesome. So uh, Brent Cruz really put himself on the radar in my opinion. Fourth, I had Brad May, and man, what a disappointing World Series for Brad May. I just, I, I just want to put it in perspective here. 
Um, Brad May ran all five races, and not a lot of drivers ran all five races. Brad May finished 15th in the standings, a dismal 15th. So it was tough, and it was mostly mechanical stuff, some things out of their hands. Um, They did get two top 10s for the week, so it was either like 6th to 10th or mechanical woes taking them out. So tough week for Brad May. Um, In fifth, I had Gabe Somers. They started okay. They did okay. Uh, They made four of the five races, finished 11th in points, and the race they missed was the Clyde Hart Memorial, and it was a heartbreaker because the car for the qualifying lap just never would come up to speed and couldn't get it out there. I don't know if they chose not to run the last chance race because a lot of people chose to sit that one out for some reason, which, in my opinion, these... Whatever happened to race cars? Why do we have these things that we don't even go race anymore? Like, it's a, you know, I get it. It's the hooligan race. I I see the rationale behind it. But if these are street stocks, everybody's going out there and going crazy. What happened to race cars? That's what I ask. That's my my question of the week. Like, I I get it. Like I said, I get the rationale, but I also don't get why we're here um, in this sport called racing, when more people would rather put it on the trailer than race anymore. So, anyways, I'll let you ponder that. I'm sure you're yelling at your car as you're going down I-4. They're too expensive. You, Yeah, I know. I get it. But my question is, why? Again, I go back to my conversation about the mod minis. Why have we let it get this way? Um, so, yeah, Gabe Somers, fifth in points. Um, had a couple of good top five runs towards the end of the World Series. It just wasn't their week. Um, so as far as the the car count, it was solid. And look, I knew we were going to have an influx of drivers, especially at the beginning of the week as the ASA tour rolled in. I just want to point out 58, a total of 58 drivers attempted at least one race. That's pretty good. In most of those, I would say about 40, 40 of those attempted more than one so the first couple of nights we started 35 plus cars and maybe even 40 took time and then a couple you know they didn't want to race their race cars because they were saving it for tuesday now if it's me and my goal is tuesday which is fine that was the prerogative of many drivers this week and we knew that going in if i'm there i'm starting the race because i don't care if it's 200 bucks to start I'm just going to run in the back. I'm going to ride and go get my 200 bucks because I can at least feed myself the next day, you know. Um, I know for some it's not about the money, and that's that's a true racer. But you could kind of see if you're really paying attention. And this is not a knock on anybody because, again, I know a lot of people's prerogative was to go in there and kick ass on Tuesday. But uh, you could see who the real racers were throughout the week, right? Are you following my drift? Again, not a knock. I knew I knew a lot of drivers were coming just for Tuesday and with the World Series, a few um, started a few extra races. And I was hoping that a couple of guys would get off to a good start and be like, well, we weren't planning to run the whole thing, but we're going to try now. Because I feel like if Jet Nolan's team stuck around for the final two races, they win the championship. So, you know, a couple of teams got off to a really hot start, whereas a couple had you scratching their head, but then on Tuesday showed you what they were all about. Um, I got several Facebook message questions through the New Smyrna Facebook page. What's wrong with Bubba? What's up with Bubba? I'll tell you exactly what was up with Bubba the first couple nights. 
He was just shaking his car down. He was making sure it was clean for Tuesday night, and he went out there and put on a clinic. And it was, that race was pretty good, uh, even though the final segment or whatever went uh, caution-free. It uh, it was really good. It, I, I think this new tire has put the cars back into the hands of the drivers a little bit more. Um, watching the World Series, you kind of get a feel for how cars are racing when you see them consecutively night after night after night. And, uh, you know, for a long time, it just looked like they were kind of slot cars. But this week, it looked like these guys could actually drive a little bit. Like, they could actually maneuver the cars a little bit more than normal. Like, not like a modified where, you know, you could send it in there and, and run it like Matt Hirschman. But I saw a little bit more control back to the driver. So I think the tire gets an A+. Plus. Um, so that was good. So uh, overall... It, a, a great series for the late models, for the super lates. Um, this ASA thing, definitely a resurgence for uh, cars showing up. I, I think the the worst car count we had all week was like 20. And I'll take a 20-car super late model race any day, especially in today's economy. And of course, we lost a couple guys. Uh, a lot of the guys involved in wrecks, and I'm not making excuses, I'm just saying, you know, could have been 25 uh, for Orange Blossom. It's 20, and I'll take it. Um, we lost Derek Griffith, who was going to run the full World Series. We lost a couple other guys that got torn up in some of the wrecks and stuff. Um, you know, and with the race getting moved, you know, we always see like TJ Duke come out. He wasn't able to get there. Some of the other weekend warriors perhaps weren't able to make the quicker turnaround to come race on uh, what ended up being Friday night. Uh, no, Thursday night for the Orange Blossom. Friday night was the finale, but uh, the Supers were preempted to Thursday for the Orange Blossom instead of Saturday. And I'm sure... That might have hurt a car or two. I don't know for sure, but hey, um, like I said, it all worked out in the end. So um, looking at my predictions here, I was wrong on the Clyde Hart Memorial. I picked Stephen Nassie, and he got into the wall in the middle stages of stage two. Um, He got into it, was running up in the the top five, in the top ten, and then ended up brushing up against another competitor and eating the wall pretty hard. That car was pretty well torn up. Definitely one of the worst cars I've ever seen put back on an Anthony Campy Racing trailer from New Smyrna. So that was tough because he was so good here during the World Series and was running well. He and Casey Roderick both were running well and uh, didn't have much to show for it. And then for the Orange Blossom, I predicted it would be Gio Ruggiero just because I figured, well, they'll be here. They'll still be around. And um, he didn't get it done. It was his teammate, Brent Cruz. Like I said, a little bit surprising, but in a good way. So... um, Obviously, it ended up being Bubba Pollard winning the Clyde Hart Memorial, which his last big race that he won here, um, Governor's Cup, yeah, special moment for him. He's always been wanting to win it. Uh, David Rogers means a lot to him and all that. But um, I think he beat, beat like a field of 18 cars, 14 cars, 16 cars that week. Uh, it's just a down year for the Governor's Cup. Um, not to uh, dismiss his accomplishment, but to come out here, and I think 45 cars tried to qualify for the Clyde Hart, and 32 started, and he beat them all. He beat all your favorite drivers. So um, Bubba did Bubba things this week. He came, he was there, and then he freaking conquered, and then he took the hell off and went to get ready for the next big race that he's going to chase. So um, it was cool. Um, it was fun to kind of watch the World Series evolve. Um, I had talks with uh, the folks from CRA, um, I'm like, man, I just feel like we've started off so strong 
and it's all gonna not all but some of it's gonna collapse after Tuesday night and it's a shame that you know we don't switch the orange blossom and the Clyde Hart to try to instead of um starting with a bunch of cars and then losing half of them we'd like kind of build up to a big ending versus have it all at the beginning and kind of watch it diminish as we go and they're like yeah we understand we see that but Perfect example this year, Saturday rained out. It was, it, and, and what a call, what a great call by the track. I mean, Saturday looked like it was going to be a wash for about 10 days, and it was a wash. And uh, their whole point was, so let's say that scenario happens and we have no way to reschedule the, the the 200. So, you know, there are some things that happen during speed weeks that are just out of anybody's control, and you just got to pray for the best. Like, you know, I feel bad for the local guys. They didn't get to run their 50s, and that stinks, but they still get to be part of the show, and I think they had more eyeballs on them than any other class. Now, would I have liked to see you get maybe a few more laps tacked on? Yes, but running 50s for everybody that night, we'd still be really, we'd still be there. We, we would have gotten rained out anyway. You know what I'm saying? So, sometimes things are just the way they are. Um, so, I believe we may be seeing some changes to Speedweek schedule. I heard a lot of mumbling, not mumbling, but just talks because you're always looking at things and wondering how they can evolve. And we practice too much. We're there too long practicing, running cars in circles for nothing. Not for nothing. I know. You're screaming at your car again. But I swear we run more cars into the ground or into the wall during practice and, and you run, to run a 35-lap feature with two practice sessions during the day, you're almost racing, you're probably running double the race. It's crazy to me. Like, I get it, dirt is different. The surface is only what the surface is for so long. So you can't practice all day. You can't practice in the heat of the day anyway over there. Um, I mean, you could, but it'd be bad. Um, so I, I think there's too much practice. I, in my opinion, let's get one round of practice and let's race. Let's practice, you know, let's let everybody have a little bit more time to catch their breaths every day instead of having to be here at eight in the morning, ready to go, go, go. Let's say we get here at noon, work on your car for an hour, driver's meeting, and then practice from 2.30 to 5.30 and, and rotate the divisions around, something like that. And then, you know, you have half an hour to get ready for qualifying. I don't know. Like, I get it. You got to get the cars on track. You got to have time, you know, especially if you've had an incident, you want to make sure the car's in good shape. You've got to pull out the backup car, et cetera. But we don't need to be on track running for hours and hours and hours. So I'd like to see a few changes, condense the schedule a little bit. Um, I still want to run nine nights. I think that's part of what makes Speed Week special and challenging for everyone. I'm not going to lie, Saturday, I think I was in bed by like 8.30. Uh, I, I did wake up like three hours later and played on my phone for like four hours, but I was beat and the rainy weather sucked and it was just a good day to relax and catch up. I feel like I'm still catching up and getting back to work, God, it's absolutely brutal. Going back to my real job now, ugh, brutal. But anyways, back to what we're here to talk about. So again, the the Super Lates, uh, pretty good series. Uh, again, Brent Cruz, your champion by four points. That's two positions on the racetrack over Gio Ruggiero. Um, So Donnie Wilson Motorsports won three of the five races. Connor Jones, our Pro Late Model champion from last year, finished third in the points. Uh, great series for him. Three top fives, four top tens. Set uh, fast time in the heart-to-heart. 
Derek Krause ended up racing the full series. I didn't think he was going to, but he did. That was a pleasant surprise, and he finished fourth. He got a top five, three top tens, and uh, fourth in the standings. And Dawson Sutton, who uh, was a rookie this year in the Supers, after winning three in a row on the pro late side, which we're going to talk about in a minute, he finished fifth. And then Jet Nolan was sixth. So you see what I mean about if he would have stayed, he might have won the championship. He was on pace. Ty Fredrickson, great job for his first run. He was in seventh. Nicholas Noggle, eighth. Very strong at the beginning of the week. In contention to win that first race of of the World Series. Got shuffled out late when he and Jet Nolan got to battling, and then he fell off because that was his only top ten of the series. But he's finished eighth in points. Um, Billy Van Meter was ninth. And then Gus Dean. Holy cow, Gus Dean got that dominating performance. I think it was Sunday night when there was 35 cars on the racetrack. And, um, and then he didn't run the Clyde Hart. And he didn't run the Orange Blossom. So he ran three. He ran the three 35-lap shootouts. He went to Daytona and won. So what a good World Series for him. Uh, but it was cool to see him get his first win. So and the other winner, of course, was Bubba Pollard, who's a little bit further down in the standings in 28th because, well, the first two nights, he was not racing to compete. So there you go. Bubba Pollard, your uh, your winner. Your winner. Yeah, your, well, your Clyde Hart winner. Um, but yeah, good World Series. A couple of pleasant surprises. Um, I think the the tough luck for the Super Lates was David Weaver and Steve Weaver both crashing hard in the turns four area of the racetrack um, in the Orange Blossom 100 and basically destroying their car. But I will say this. I did see uh, Steve Weaver, uh, no, it was David Weaver, in the, um, in the bar getting his payout. And I said, man, thank you guys for coming. I'm so, gl- I'm, I'm so happy uh, that you guys come to this every year, but I'm also so sad to see what happened today. And he looks at me and goes, that's part of it, man. The, the, the A-arm just broke going into the corner and I slammed the wall. Like that, that could have happened at any minute. That could have happened, you know, could have happened on the way home with the tow vehicle. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, that's racing. We'll give me something to do. We'll put it back together and we'll be back. So I like the attitude, man. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. And I know I'm a homer because, you know, yeah, listen to Ryan sucking, you know, he's sucking everybody's butt. No, I just, I, I like a good attitude. Um, I don't always have one myself. So sometimes I live vicariously off of those that do. So let's switch over to the prolate model side of things. And I do want to pull up the um, full prolate model standings. Good World Series again for the prolates. Uh, they started off better than they finished, if that makes sense. Um, they did run seven features. Good car counts for the most part. A total of 41 drivers made at least one start. And, man, a couple of surprising people down towards the bottom as I was looking. Um, yeah, this was this was a good World Series for the, for the prolates. Very competitive. We kind of had a big three situation develop. And we saw some different drivers kind of up towards the front. We saw some growth out of a few drivers that we'll highlight. But let me go and start back at the predictions that I made a couple of weeks ago, looking at the prolate model predictions here. And I predicted that George Phillips would win the championship. I liked what I saw out of this kid so much that I thought he was going to be the champ. And uh, he looked good at the beginning and practice. Day two, practice got him. Uh, I do. I did not see what happened. I did see the car sitting kind of off to number four, all torn up. And I was hoping, well, it's fathead racing maybe they'll get it buttoned back up and get him back out, but they loaded up, went home. And then they brought Jonathan Knee back for the uh, ASA race. 
And then they came back with the eight Pro Lades. So they went, I believe they went and switched the the Super over to the Pro for uh, for George to finish off. And then George won the last two races, including the Hard Heart 100, and finished tenth in points. So from what went uh, for you know a terrible week to a, a good recovery, a good rebound. So good, good, good on uh, George to make the most of it. I had Dawson Sutton to finish second in points, and he did. He finished second in points with three wins and uh, was in the championship hunt until the big one. Nicholas Noggle, I had to finish in third. Um, he only ran two races, so that was one of the drivers that uh, I I thought that he is, his attention would be on the pro late, but he ran all the super lates and then pulled out the pro towards the end of the weekend. So uh, I missed on that one. Hunter Wright, I had fourth. I think a year ago, I said... You know, this is going to be Hunter Wright's breakout year. And last year was miserable. And this year, things just finally went right. He did get a win, and it was after Jimmy Renfrew's um, controversial disqualification. And here's what I'm going to say on that and move on. Uh, Tech has to do a job. Uh, It's a hard job. And sometimes they have to make a call. And they may be right. They may be wrong. But they had to do a job. And... uh, you know, I saw a lot of the Northern guys like, oh, that's some BS, that's some BS. And they are entitled to feel that way because their boy came down here and was doing a hell of a job and then had a win taken away from him and a shot at the championship taken away from him via tech. So I'm not down there. I'm not in the interminglings. I heard from CRA and a few other people that the engine was tested. It failed. Uh, then the team was able to work on it and they presented it again. And then it passed. And then they elected to not run the next night, which therefore makes them look like geniuses because that's the night we had the big one. And maybe their car is destroyed and it don't race again. But instead, they, they took a night off. They regrouped. They put a new engine in. And they came out and ran the, the 100 to a respectable finish. So it, there was a couple of people that are, you know, big in their neck of the woods that did not have the greatest of World Series and that's in where some of the drama of the World Series, then there's drama every year. When something doesn't go right for somebody, the internet is a good place to go out there and let your feelings known. And it's perfectly fine. Um, I don't know, again, I, you guys know me. I, I try to stay out of the way of tech. It is not my realm. It has nothing to do with anything that I can control. So when it happens, I just got to let it happen and report back. So again, the motor was found to be illegal. And yes, everybody's saying, well, they presented it the next day. Well, they had the day to work on it, guys. So, yeah, think about it. And I'm not saying that it was illegal in the first place, but I'm just saying that it, it's not like they tested it the next morning and then gave it back. It was given, you know, the team, you know what I'm saying? So, right or wrong, the uh, CRA had to make a call. And just remember, New Smyrna Speedway is the venue for the World Series, and we hire CRA. CRA is the uh, sanctioning body of the World Series, and they make the calls. So, you know, if you're looking at, well, I'm never going to New Smyrna because they DQ Jimmy Renfrew Jr. Well, I mean, you can feel that way, but that's, it's not fair. I mean, you know, there was a situation where, and we'll talk about this in the 602s, but a driver was told he couldn't drive because the series... The sponsors of the series didn't want him to drive. And they, you know, they wanted New Smyrna to step in. And New Smyrna said, this is their deal. You've got to, if you've had an issue with them in the past, then you got to work it out with them. And, you know, for me, I maybe would look at it different. But sometimes there are things, it's just like, you know, if you ran the, the 
winter series at uh, Auburndale, and then you got pissed at Steve because you didn't like the way that Auburndale went. Steve's going to look at you and go, oh, freaking well. I have nothing to do with it. So that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I hate it. It took a compelling cog out of the Pro Late Model Championship. We went from the big three. We started with the big four. Then Ryan Luza had problems. Then Renfrew didn't run a race. And then we were down to the big two. And then we had the big one, which then left just one, Hunter Wright. So that um, that big one, uh, man. Oh, and I had uh, Jimmy Renfrew fifth. And he did way better than that despite not running a race. He still finished third in points. Um, the, again, compelling, compelling racing, fun stuff. I mean, the first couple nights really clean. They had, they, you know, everyone's all prolates doing prolate stuff. Every division has wrecks. The prolates did really good until the end of the week. They had the big one, and there was a lot of things happening that triggered that big one first. And let me break that. Let me break it down. Hunter Wright steps on the gas to take the green, gets a little sideways. Dawson Sutton, his championship rival, is they're basically tied in points. You know, he lies into the back bumper, and he's trying to get everything he can. And they're pushing each other and probably, and I say probably, would have been fine. Probably would have straightened out and been fine. But at the same time that is happening on the start, Jason Vale's missing a shift. His car's not going. And with Hunter Wright jacked up by Dawson Sutton, they run smack dab into the back of Jason Vale. And, you know, the 26 goes down the track. The 29 goes up the track. Vale keeps going. Vale got going. Thank you very much, boys, for helping me get going. Um... And these other guys, they they you know they spin opposite direction of the racetrack, and then the field piles in. And there were some arc break situations. If you watch the video, there's a couple different angles from flow, uh, the great angle from Speedway video. Um, there were some arc breaks, and and I'm telling you, I I, did, I never took the time to screenshot it and do like a you know dead meat kill count on this, but uh, there was 13 to 15 cars torn up in. The big one. I mean, my commentary. I mean, it was dramatic. It was the championship. I I really thought at that point that Brody Monahan was going to come by and win this championship. He would later crash out in that race and kind of hand it back to Hunter Wright's control. And I got to give that team a lot of credit. They worked their tushes off to get that car to run and finish ninth. They finished ninth with half a race car, by the way, after the big one. And then came out and won the championship. So very compelling, very dramatic you know, the big one, the huge one at New Smyrna, because that's a big, we see big wrecks here, but it's usually one or two cars get together and go up into the wall. This was a super speedway style jam session. I mean, I, I think it rivaled the big one from the 500 last night. So, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Prolates, man, they, they're really quickly becoming one of my, one of the things I look forward to following throughout the week do they always have the best races no are they always the most competitive no there was a big disparity between you know the top half dozen and the bottom half dozen let's let's be realistic about it but these guys have to start somewhere and i'm going to read down the top 10 and tell you where i saw progress so let's do that winning the championship of course was hunter wright got the first victory and now is a world series champion in the pro late division ran all the he ran all the super lates too. Um, it was more of a, uh, we're here. So we're running effort and they put all their eggs in the, the ASA basket and they made the field. So I, I think they were successful in what they tried to do. Dawson Sutton, three straight wins. And, um, his only blemish of course was being involved in the big one and finished second in points. So second and fifth in points for Dawson. Good effort there. Jimmy Renfrew. We talked about his situation. He did pick up a victory at the beginning of the week. 
and added five more top fives and finished third in points. Isabella Robusto, uh, fourth in points in a Donnie Wilson car. A little bit disappointing. I feel like the one night she really had it going well was the night she got into Billy Braun and then got penalized. It just seemed like... And again, this is her first World Series, so I got to back off a little bit. But I feel like, just like last year, and maybe this is fine, she underperformed in that car just like Brent Cruz did. And now Brent Cruz just won the Super Late Model Championship. So, uh, again, maybe a little too harsh for year one for Isabella. Uh, Brody Monahan finished fifth in points despite not running the 100. The crash he had, the penultimate night, took him out. Five top tens, showed speed. Track position was never on Brody's side. And you could tell he was still learning the racetrack and learning how to do all this uh, in a in a big microscope like the World Series. But a fine job, actually, uh, one of my favorite moments of the World Series, his dad, I believe it was, found me on Facebook, messaged me and said, hey, thanks for talking well about my kid. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. When you notice someone doing well, not going out there and winning all the races and setting the world on fire, but when you notice somebody just doing a good job, I like to point it out. So I'm glad they, they recognize that. Um, six was Katie Hettinger. We kind of predicted that she'd be good, but not great this year. Um, had a couple of opportunities that squandered, uh, but her stats were two top fives, five top tens and seven races. So not bad. Just not, you know, not where they were last year. Ryan Luza finished seventh. He was the runner up in points last year. Started off great. Four top fives, four top tens and five races, and then did not run the last two. It was a tough week for Jet Motorsports. Corey Luciano in the 94 finished eighth in points, did not start the final race. I'm not sure if it was because of crash damage or they just ran out of steam or what. Um, they were involved in the big one, so I'm going to assume um, that it was, you know, the car was just not going to go for 100 laps. But he did great. He was lost out here last year. He looked like Ryan Phipps out here last year. And um, Corey turned it around. I mean, he finished eighth in points, a couple of top tens. That's, that's a good turnaround. Brandon Lopez in the six finished ninth in the points, got a top five, ran all the races. And this kid did not look stout at the beginning. Running at the back, not fast at all. Well, the 47 Dustin Bryson was, he got better and then he got wrecked and he was done. Um, but Brandon, another driver, first time out, you could see the progress. You could see he was learning and finished ninth in points, did great. And then rounding out the top 10 was George Phillips. Got the two wins, uh, won the last two races, of course, got taken out in the practice crash, which, you know, probably would have been in the championship fight. I just feel like the team would have been in the championship fight if uh, that had not gone wrong. And, um, yeah, finished 10th in points and got two wins. It's a pretty darn good World Series. Um, three, four, five. So five is seven. Yeah, so all of the winners from this year's Pro Late World Series inside the top 10 in points. And I want to give a shout-out and honorable mention to Tony Bridinger. She ran five of the seven races. Um, of course, wasn't going to make the Friday with her truck and ARCA commitments, but um, we got cut a little bit short. She was running so well. I mean, three top 10 finishes that she earned this year. She didn't luck into those. She earned them straight up on the racetrack, running well, solidly around the top 10 for much of the week, then got tipped into the wall uh, by Tim Sozio on a stack-up deal and uh, – Ended her World Series a little bit earlier. But you could see she was so god-awful last year in the white number one car. And, and they came back with the Lee Falk Racing Team. And uh, Tony did a fine job. So um, I'm trying to remember, did I call who I thought was going to win the heart-to-heart? Did I write that down? You know, that might have been one that I added. Uh, let me see if it's on here. Yeah, I, that was one I probably talked about in the uh, 
in the last show. But again, that was won by George Phillips, and uh, he he did so pretty convincingly. That race, you know, at the end of the week, only 15 cars left, and I think we were lucky to have that many. Um, clean and green. It, it, not one many are going to write home about, and Hunter Wright pretty much had the championship locked up. But uh, good on George Phillips. Got that that big win after the team kind of salvaged the week here. So that is a look back at the fendered side of things with the super and prolate model recaps. We're going to take our first commercial break here because I'm already feeling, uh, you know, I haven't been talking like this for a couple of days and I'm already, it's catching back up to me. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to take a short commercial break here. Um, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Hope you'll stick with us. We have the uh, tour modifieds, the Florida modifieds and oh boy, the 602s to talk about on the other side in segment number two. So we hope you'll stick around for all that. Hey, everyone. We want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron D'Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years, not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom-made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, also very good for for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago, and they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, 
If you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting. Um, they do estate and trusts. They do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, Get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a, a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page, or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board, and now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's talk Modifieds on segment number two, and let's start with everybody's favorite, the Tour Modifieds. Stout this year, they were, they were good. Um, their races were very straightforward. Uh, nothing like... Oh my God, like, got to go back and watch those over and over and over again. There were moments, of course. Um, car counts were fine, but I did notice that for the second year in a row, and then, okay, entry list issues. There were a couple of 602s that registered thinking they could race their 602s with the more, with the modifieds afterwards. And the tour mod official said, no 602s, period, regardless of if you ran 602s or not, are running with the tour mods. They put a kibosh on that. So those guys were refunded and all that. So you had three or four guys right off the bat that just, I appreciate it. I really appreciate what they were trying to do. Um, you know, they're trying to add to the field or, or here anyways. Let me, you know. But the official said, if it is a 602, it is not racing with the tour mods. So that just did not happen. So you had a few there. There were a couple other guys that just weren't, didn't show up. And it happens every year, um, you know. There's a couple of years ago, we had 40 some on names on the list this year. I think we had 35, and I just looked, and I think there was 32 that actually started a, a, a race in a tour mod. So it's it's great. I mean, there was back in the day when I first started working there, there'd be like 12 cars for a tour mod race, and it was kind of like, these things are cool, but what are we doing? It's like the sprint cars. Like, what are we doing? So obviously, it, it was fine. Uh, ben Dodge was there. It was amazing. Uh, he... He struggled this week, um, feeling a little bit under the weather, and he's a trooper. Cause that, like, I feel like it is a task when you're not feeling 100% to call races, and I'm 36, 
Um, I don't know exactly how Ben, how old Ben is, but at his age, with the health issues that he's had, for him to do that and power through, I, I just I have even more respect for him. And he condensed a lot of his stuff this year for more reasons than one. You know, he's trying to keep the show moving. He's getting older. He wasn't feeling that great. Um, but he still presented and I told him like he's like man I feel like I sound like I'm under you know three liters of water here and I said Ben you send you sound fine now of course Ben holds the microphone differently than I do Ben has a different register than I do so sometimes you know after I switch it over to him it sounds a little bit different than when I'm talking um but no he he sounded fine now he did in the big races he had um Matt Dillner help out with the Blewett Memorial. And Matt had his uh, fanboy moment, um, you know, GoPro up in the tower, like, wow, I'll never forget this. He's, I mean, he's a modified guy. He does the modifieds at Bowman Gray. Um, <clears throat> that is like, you know, that's his meeting his hero moment and working with his hero moment. And I enjoyed uh, seeing that happen because I, I just have so much respect when somebody loves their job so much, when they know that it's a privilege and they're getting to do something new and exciting and, um, yeah, I, I just appreciate that. And then Ben asked me to do the 100 lapper, the, the Evans Memorial with him. And I was like, you betcha. And, um, you know, I, I do all these stats and all these notes for for everything but the tour mods because Ben covers those. Now, I sit up there, I watch the races, I pay attention, I do the victory lanes, so I pay attention to the race to make sure I know what's happening. I Over the last eight years, I've learned about these modified guys, but I don't have the same, you know, statistical breakdowns that I do for the other divisions, but... I, I've been doing this long enough, man, where I can make it, you know, sound like I know exactly what the heck I'm talking about, even when sometimes I don't. But if you are confident in what you're doing, then you can do a good job. And I made sure that this was Ben's race. Ben still got to shine. Actually, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, give you a little bit of truth. Ben is probably one of my biggest fans, um, always encouraging. And he still coaches me to this day. Um, at the day after he left, he sent me a message. Hey, you know, good job last night. It was impressive that you can lead and follow in a two-man crew. But here's some things that you might want to work on. And I just said, listen, thank you so much for the, you know, constructive critiques because when you get, when you've done this for so long, it's easy to just be like, well, I'm great at it. I, you know, I may not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm great at this. And, and you know, I know exactly what I'm doing. Well, if you have that mindset, you will never, in my opinion, you'll get worse because you think that you can do no wrong so that when you do do wrong, <laughs> do do, uh, sorry, I'm immature. Uh, when, when you are wrong, you fail to recognize it and you fail to try to do better. And Ben wasn't saying, oh, you were terrible. But in, in there, one thing in particular was don't rush what you're trying to say. And he said, don't race the cars. And I was like, yeah, I was doing that, but I had a reason um, doing this back to back with with Ben. Those cars are loud. I wanted to make sure I hear I could hear what he was saying, and he could hear what I was saying, and we could be cohesive in our transitions. Also, this was Ben's race, and I wanted Ben. Ben and I, we have the gift of gab, but this is Ben. The modifieds are Ben's. I was the color guy in this, so when I had a thought. I felt like, okay, I have to get this thought out there quickly and get it back to Ben because he is the voice of this. He is who should be heard here. So yes, and, and it's funny that he picked up on that because like I, I, th 
thought, I'm like, okay, I'm sound. I, I want to sound extra excited for this and hyped for this. It's the modifieds. It's it's what makes the World Series such a big deal, you know, to these to this day. Um, in, in, but in that, in in with trying to get it back around to Ben so that he could continue his thing, I was rushing my sentences, and I tried to get him in strategically to where when Ben talked, I could hear and, and make sure I knew what he was talking about. Um, because even in the ASA race, when I worked with Mark, there was a couple of points where uh, he would say something, and I'm like, I have no idea what you said. And you could tell that we were talking about the same thing, but not, if, if that makes sense. So, um, I really, like I said, I appreciate that. And also, I'm like, oh, yeah, he picked up on that, and I was doing that. But I had a reason, and I'm not going to text him back, be like, well, Ben, I did that because it, it just... I said, thank you so much for the coaching, for always continuing to coach me so that I can get better. And the other thing he said is to raise my voice, um, to follow, you know, and show dynamics and show excitement. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like every time I was talking, I didn't really, there was, the the excitement was in Ben's lane. You know, he would be, when they had one of the cautions, he was the one talking. I'm just like, listen, that is something to think of. You, you want to show dynamics in your voice and show the excitement and give the, the fans something to follow. Um, so, you know, I just take their critiques and learn from them and, and try to do better, but also know this is coming from my biggest supporter. And if my biggest supporter just always pats me on the back and says, you're doing fine, you're doing great. Then you sit there and your head inflates and you're just like, I'm the best in the world. And that's not true. So yeah, always, I, I have things to work on guys. I'm not, there was a couple moments during the, the ASA, I was so nervous during the ASA day not like nervous, like, oh my God, I'm going to be in front of all these people, but nervous, like, I don't exactly know what they're all expecting and how pre-race is going to go and what's going to happen. And it changed on the fly. And and you just, I was nervous because I wanted it to go smooth. I wanted it to seem like we knew what we were doing. And the fact of the matter is we, it's always fluid. And I thank God I've just done it enough where I can just go make it, you know, seem as decent, even though in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I doing? Okay, what's next? Okay, uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, they want me to do this, I'm gonna go do this. Oh, you want me to talk to Chase Elliott? Okay, you got it. So, anyways, that's a little, little sidetrack there. Let's take a look here. I've got the points pulled up, and I wanna go over my picks to see how I did. Of course, I predicted that Matt Hirschman was gonna be the champion. Of course, I was correct. Only three wins this year instead of five, so he fell off the map a little bit. Um, but five top fives, five top tens, and five features. The guy is just good. Um, started the weekend off a little slow, was not competitive in the Tour Mod race. Now, that Tour modified the NASCAR Tour race, a little bit different rules than the World Series. I say a little bit, but it's still different. But it's almost like that team, they just get better as the week goes on. Because how many times do we see they don't win the first two nights and then they win the last three races? And then last year, they just whooped everybody's butt. So the competition was definitely there this week. There was about five or six drivers that could have won a race, but uh, Hirschman just continued to get better. Of course, uh, Ryan Priest got a win. Uh, he ran three of the five races. Again, had to focus on Daytona, and I respect that. And then um, Ronnie Silk only ran the first two nights, which, you know, he said in victory lane, he won the first, he won the wheel and tour race, and then he won the first night out for the World Series and said, yeah, I think we're only going to run like two of these, and we got to go. And he made the most of it, a win, two top fives, two top ten, so it wasn't a championship contender, and that's who I had second, so I missed on that one. I had Patrick Emmerling in third. He finished sixth. He was right there in about third place. Didn't run the last night because of his commitments to uh, Trucks and Arca, uh, which I actually I believe is just Arca. 
Um, but yeah, they they moved that ARCA race, so Patrick wasn't able to run. The final night slipped to sixth. Uh, but it's just cool to see these modified guys are getting their chance in, in the upper levels of NASCAR now as well. Um, in third, I had Eric Goodale. I'm sorry, in fourth was Eric Goodale. He finished second. Good World Series, three top fives, five top tens, and 26 points behind Matt Hirschman. And then rounding out the top five, I just really felt like this was going to be Tommy Catalano's year. He did all right. Uh, finished seventh, three top tens, not up in the top five, not super competitive. Awesome that he dragged, he dragged the late models out for his mom and his brother as well. The, the Catalanos did a lot of racing this week. It just, you know, maybe this is my Hunter Wright, where I predicted Hunter Wright was going to break out a year before he did. So I'm still going to be high on Catalano going forward. I think he's going to get a wheel and tour race win this year if they if they plan on running those races and um, just miss a little bit. But still seventh. I mean, I thought his week was going a lot worse than that. So I guess that's not too bad. And then, of course, the uh, the two big races I predicted Matt Hirschman would win both the Evans and the NASCAR 200. Ron Silk won the 200 and Hirschman won the 100. So um, not bad. Close, but no cigar. Uh, Matt Hirschman, though, man, I'm telling you, I went down the first 91, and I'm like, it's Matt Hirschman season, and he just gave me that smirk, and they did not lose after that. So uh, Matt Hirschman, congratulations on another championship here. And Eric Goodale, a good series, finished second in points. Ronnie Williams, very impressive. Was uh, only 10 points back in the championship going into the final night. Ultimately fell to third, 28 points back, so the 100 didn't quite go his way, but it was a good series for him. Three top fives and five top tens. Craig Lutz finished in fourth in the points. Solid series for the 46. Had speed, qualified really well. Just Again, just never really had the track position he needed to uh, capitalize in the race, but he finished fourth. Anthony Nocella, he, again, another guy. He had speed, just wasn't quite there with him. He did get three top fives, four top tens, and fifth in the points, not too bad, but kind of a quiet World Series for Anthony. Um, then we had Patrick Emmeling, still sixth after missing a race. Tommy Catalano, seventh. Ryan Priest, eighth in points after missing two races. So when they were in the field, they were top five every night. Jimmy Blewett started off horribly. Mechanical problems while leading the Blewett Memorial. Then he got in a big wreck with, um, uh, 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 what the hell's his name? Um, Anthony Bello. Uh, he got in that big wreck with Anthony Bello. Uh, but still salvaged at the end. They turned up the wick, got two top fives to finish off the week. So not too bad. And then Eddie McCarthy, just very solid. Um, quiet, but solid in 10th and points. And that team ran two cars. Uh, they let Austin Beers run a couple races. So they had a lot going on. So good World Series for Eddie McCarthy. I think that was one of his best series to get a top 10 in there. Some other notables here. Uh, Teddy Hodgson had clutch issues. They missed a race, finished 11th in points. Spencer Davis was quiet in 13th. Um... Anthony Bello, they did not run the last race. They had a tough World Series. Dave Sapienza had a tough World Series. Tyler Ripkema, my God, 22nd in points after running all five races. Zero luck. I think they got a top 10 at the end of the week, and that was it. Just zero luck. They were crashed out in the first two nights, like, super early. So it was definitely disappointing. Tyler Ripkema is definitely the guy that you look at, like, oh, man, what a tough World Series for him. Uh, Christopher Hatton, our local guy, only ran two shows. Uh, they just couldn't get that car up to speed. Landon Huffman. So let's talk about him for a minute before we move on to the Florida Modifieds. Um, big late model guy in in the the you know mid coast, if you will, and um, came here to run the modified. Blew a motor in practice, then got pissed off because they were not able to put their stuff out for sale. They did not go through the vendor protocols that were put in place, and then they're like, "Well, 
this should be a circus like uh, like dirt. And then, you know, people accuse it of being a circus all the time, not being organized, so that when it is organized and people don't get their way, they get pissed about it. It's a vicious circle. And I feel for them. I think, you know, I think the racers should be as part of, you know, you paid your pit admission. If you want to set up merchandise, you know, and you're not impeding the way of anything, set up your merchandise. And it's like bands at a concert. Anytime you go to a concert, they're always, they always have their merch table stuck in a back corner. And yeah, it's not always the most comfortable thing. But, you know, sometimes you got to like sneak around the merch tables to go get a beer. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, look at this line of people. I don't want to be, oh, that's for the merch. Oh, God, I got to sneak by that sweaty-ass long line of people. But I, in my opinion, you know, I would love to see all the drivers um, come, set up their merch, sell their merch, and help them get to the next race. I, I just, I, I, the concert mentality, not a circus mentality. It doesn't need to be a circus, but a, a concert mentality where those guys have a little bit of bus money. Uh, to get to the next city, if that makes sense. That's um, So that's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, glad they got to race. They got to start four of the five features. Didn't have much luck. Hopefully we see them again. I understand if we don't, but, you know, hey, them's the way she goes sometimes. So, yeah, good World Series there for the Modifieds. Um, you know, a couple of wrecks here and there. Nothing, like, overly spectacular, like their cousins in the 602s, but, yeah, it was fine. It's hard to... Um, drink a beer when you don't have a co-host. I'm still on my first one of the evening, so maybe I'm actually coherent and making sense for once. Um, still having fun. So let's switch gears. Let's do Florida Modifieds next. Um, let's get that out of the way. Def- definitely disappointing. Uh, man, I remember talking about the entry list like, man, my wild card is whoever the hell shows up. And I guess that would have been Bruce Bennett. He showed up and got a win at the end, which was cool. Um it was our local guys. It was our, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys that you'd expect to see on a regular Saturday night, plus Jared Allison, plus Tim Moore, you know. And also, um, I, I guess I better preface, we are still awaiting tire results at the time of this recording. So the points that are in here, the ones I'm going to go off of are unofficial and missing a night. So take this with a grain of salt. I'm sure you all are fast forwarding this part anyways. There are serious discussions of what to do with the Florida Modifieds moving forward um, and what to do with the 602 Modifieds going forward because at the beginning of the week, it was, man, the 602s, they just brought 30 cars. They need more nights. And now it's like, they need to be split up into two different divisions. I don't know if that's the way to go either, but there's lots of stuff. Next year's World Series might look way different. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Um, So my predictions were Jerry Simons would win the championship unofficially fourth in the standings. I had Wayne Parker second. He was third, but he did get a win. Um, I predicted Timmy Moore would be third. He was unofficially in second. I predicted Jared Allison fourth. He had a horrible World Series. He crashed on like the first night and uh, in practice and just never got going. He would either hit the wall or something would happen. He had a horrible World Series, finished in eighth. Tank Tucker, I predicted he would finish fifth. Um, Paid entry, never showed up. This was a, hey, I've got a modified entry for you. Put him on the list. It's Tank Tucker. He's coming back, and he didn't come back. So, womp, womp. Again, Bruce Bennett, my wild card, uh, finished ninth in points with a win and two features. Um, you had Dylan Williams run a couple in his E-Mod, and then you had Eugene Tuminello identify as an E-Mod in every race except Sunday when he went out and won the E-Mod feature. Um, LJ Grimm 
don't know why I thought it would be a good idea to leave him off my top five list after I had him like number one in the power rankings going into this thing. Uh, that was dumb. LJ came out and as things stand right now, if the night that's on hold goes into effect, LJ Grimm's the champion. If he's DQ'd, well, it's probably Tim or Wayne Parker, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but LJ did get a win in his first, excuse me, that one sip of beer that I got to take is playing havoc on me. Um, LJ Graham got a win, maybe two. We'll see. Uh, Timmy Moore was second in points. Uh, although L here's what I want to say about L LJ and the Travis Rowland guys. Thank you for being there. I'm sure it wasn't the most fun week. I'm sure it was hectic. You got a couple of races that you didn't get to run, but thank you. Uh, Tim Moore, same to Timmy Moore. He, he had been racing the 15 for a long time. That deal fell through. He came with his own stuff and did, did a fine job. I mean, stayed out of trouble. It was out there. Uh, could be the official champion when all that's said and done. Wayne Parker came out, got a couple of wins. Jerry Simons, our defending champion, fourth. He just wasn't that that they just don't have the handle on that car right now. And then Matthew Green was fifth in points. Um first full world series in a modified for Matthew Green. And he did fine. First time racing for Brickhouse. So I'm sure he's still getting used to it and, and all that. Matthew Green's a hell of a caliber driver. So I think if that team stays together for the regular season, they will get better. Brian Gayton Ran three races, sixth in points. Eugene Tuminello, seventh in points. Jared Allison, Bruce Bennett, and Matt Jarrett, the top 10. Um, the 75 ended up being a 50, and I think it went to Wayne Parker. No, it didn't. I'm sorry. That's the one Bruce Bennett won in a thrilling battle. Actually, here's what I want to say. The Modifieds, uh, you know, it's probably going to come across like I'm ragging on them. I'm just frustrated with this because, first, it's you got to change the rules to get cars, and we changed the rules and year two of it, we don't get a single car from outside of the state. It's a little frustrating. So, you know, if it were me, shit can it, but it ain't. And if when they're on the track, I'm going to show them the same respect. I just hope that, uh, I, I hope this comes across as a harsh criticism and not like a, oh, screw all you guys. Like my, my saying uh, I would cut it is only for the fact that like the grumblings I heard in the stands about the, uh, it's just, it's it's tough. I'd like to see it ultimately i'd like to see it grow and be strong again because the modifieds are freaking cool they're just not they're just not there right now um and, and again that's not all that's not their fault that's not all on them it's not all on the rules it's there's things that need to be done we just got to figure it out um so yeah please don't misconstrue what i'm what i'm preaching here i'm just come on come on if you were paying nobody was paying to see a field of eight modifieds for 50 laps Sorry, but they did put on a hell of a 50 lapper. Thank God it got cut to 75 because it ended up being really good at 50 laps. Definitely their best race of the week in a good battle between uh, Wayne Parker and Bruce Bennett in the dump truck. So that is the Florida Modifieds. Let's head on over to, oh my God, the division I was so high on going into this year's World Series. And that was the 602 Modifieds. And I, I just don't even know. Like, is the gearing that bad, you guys? Like, I heard a lot of talk about gearing and it kind of looked like they were running at Daytona and Talladega. You know, you'd, you'd get eight to 12 cars all packed together. So all it took was a one wrong move and they were running over each other flying into the air. Um, is it the gear issues? Because our 602s, I know that like our club 602s, there's disparity between the field, but like they usually put on a pretty good race. In the 602s the last couple of years, I felt like put on good racing. Yeah, they had some wrecks, but... Again, they get three races to come showcase themselves on the World Series stage. Um, you know, 
you'll you'll get races like that in the first three prolates, and then they figure it out in the final four because they've got enough time to learn how to race each other. Um, again, I equate what went down with the 602s as, okay, you got 30 guys coming together, varying levels of experience, running probably most bull rings, and if they run high banks, it's, you know, wall stadium. Um, so you've got this big disparity of, of race crafts and experience levels, and that's kind of where Rusty wants to split them up. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that. If you split up the 602s, you got to split up the Pro H too because they're never going to learn to race each other. Yeah, you know, whatever, whatever happens. I, I just, I don't know about you all, but I'd rather see 25 cars on the racetrack than 13 cars twice in the same thing. Sorry. That's, look, if you're slow, get better. And you should be getting better by racing the best. But that's my take. Whatever happens with it, happens with it. And I go with it. It's what I told Rusty. That's what I tell you. Same goes with the big modifieds. Whatever happens with it, happens with it, and we keep on keeping on. I need another beer, damn it. Um, so yeah, 602 modifieds. My prediction was back-to-back championships for Luke Baldwin. Well, Luke and Jack switched luck this year because uh, Jack wins the title, and Luke's not even in the top 10. Luke had a horrible World Series, and Jack did great. I had Lee Sharpstein second, Started off the series with a win. Actually, let me pull up the the stats again here. Got to go back into it. Um, yeah, Lee started the season with a win, finished back in seven. So I missed on that one. Paul Hartwig Jr. I had finishing third. Man, he struggled. Now, I had a good run going at the end, and he finished 15th in the standings. Only one top 10. Oof. Um, Karsten Dijon Tommaso. I thought Karsten was going to come back, and he almost left the damn ballpark. He, he was the one up against the wall with, with Baldwin there on that big wreck. I mean... You know, one of the craziest wrecks of the week. He finished eighth in points, but it was uh, Jared Dijon Tommaso who did very well this week. And Cody Norman, I had him finishing fifth, and he finished in fourth with a top five and two top tens. So topsy-turvy. Here's your winners. Ready? Jack Baldwin, the champion. Bobby Jones, fifth in points. Great for him. And then Lee Sharpton, seventh in points. So it was crazy. It was all over the place. Um, We did have a total of... 28 drivers make at least one start. There were several on the entry list. Most of our locals did not. They entered, and then they didn't show up. The uh, 602 entries, because it's like a, you know, it's a it's run by, you know, the the Schultz and, and, and Blewett group there. They come together with the rules, and they, you know, by the time we opened entries, their entry stuff wasn't buttoned up. So we said, hey, enter here, pay at the track. So it was kind of, you know, an honor system. And a few didn't show up, and that's that's fine. That happens all the time. But still, 28 cars showed up to run the World Series for not a whole lot of money. This thing's new and still slapped together and, and growing and splitting, maybe. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it develops. But um, definitely, a, uh, it's fun, man. It's a good group. They're cool cars. I mean, they're... They're, they're tour mods, but like, hey, I can go run that. You know what I mean? It's the blue-collar tour mod guys, and it's a hell of a group. And it's just a shame. They've, they've had so many good races in the past, and they do race well, and they can race each other well. They just haven't learned to yet here at New Smyrna. And I, I don't know if it's just we, we need to run them more often, thin out the herd a little bit. Um, I don't know what the deal is, but... It was rough, and you know now that now the joke instead of prolate's pro, uh, gonna prolate, it's six oh two gonna six oh two. So 
I, I again, it's it's a shame to see. It's just like, you know, I was harsh on the Florida mods because I don't like where that division's headed. I'm going to be harsh on this one for the exact opposite reason. There's so many cars, and it's so full of chaos that they barely got the race. Like, two of their races got cut short because of the time limits, and that sucks for them. But, hey, it's like I said on the commentary, if they want to run their laps, they still can. They just got to be clean, and then they go down to turn one and clean each other out. So, a learning experience. A learning experience for a lot. And three different three different winners. Very competitive. I mean, you know, you had the three winners. The Dijon Tomasos were pretty good. Max Hanley started off the week running pretty quickly. Um, James Blewett showed a lot of progress compared to where he was last year. Luke Baldwin, crappy luck, but we know he could have won. Eric Lane did well. Cody Norman did well. Nick Bear ran well. So, I mean, there's a lot of good to take out of this. There was just a lot of bad, and it, it was spectacular when it happened. I mean, I think every night had a quote-unquote big one of five or more cars. Uh, we had cars jumping over cars. We had cars hitting the wall and flying into the air. So, uh, it, it, I love it. I love you guys. I, I hope I hope better things happen with the tour with the six hundred two tours going forward. Um, and and we'll see. Like I said, could be some changes next year. I don't know what those are. I've heard some rumblings. Don't know what they are. And we'll go with it and make the most of it. Whatever happens, happens. So, um, just to recap here before we put a bow on our World Series recap show. Um, of course, third segment will put a bow on the rest of speed weeks with Daytona, but, uh, Jack Baldwin, your champion with his first career win. He won the blue at Memorial, won the championship. Very happy about it. Good to see, uh, both Baldwin brothers. Uh, Luke just had crappy luck. Both Baldwin brothers are running great. Eric Lane was second with two top fives and three top tens. Jarrett G. John Tommaso had his best world series in third. Cody Norman, uh, in fourth, fifth was Bobby Jones. Nick Bear was sixth. Lee Sharpstein seventh. Eighth for Carson Dijon Tommaso, Max Hanley ninth, and Josh Carey, a rookie driver. Um, quiet, but solid. Got a big wreck on night one. Team put it back together. Got a top 10 in points. Uh, your other notables here, James Blewett 12th, Paul Hartwig 15th, Christopher Hatton 18th, and uh, Jerry Gradall 24th, and then Ricky Moxley uh, crashed out on night one, and that was the end of his World Series. So tough break there. Definitely stunk to see that. Good old Ricky Moxley has had no luck on uh, New Smyrna Speedway here recently. Um, yeah, that's the action. Uh, local divisions are great. The sportsmen, a lot of fun. Cody Brusso getting the win was cool. Uh, the Bombers were fun. Bomber Bees were a lot of fun. I'm glad to see the Sharon uh, came out with his Bomber. Good to see Jesse Veltman running for Kenny. Um, hopefully we see some more of those uh, quote-unquote West Coast guys a little more often. Now the tire situation has figured itself out. And... Um, I'm looking forward to our regular season. Um, you know, our local divisions put on really good, 20 trucks. I forgot to mention that 20 pro trucks, really good race there. Congratulations, Jeffrey white. Um, super stocks were a good race. Blake Clouser, the, the champ wins that one. Um, trying to remember probably missing something, but look, there was eight nights of racing. Uh, we did get one little bit of rain that came through and canceled a, a Florida modified race. Um, and then, of course, the washout Saturday. But the best move they made all week was rescheduling the Orange Blossom uh, two days earlier so that we could get it in because I'm, I'm so glad they did what they did so that we didn't have to sit around Saturday and go, well, it's just going to rain all day like it said for the last 10 days it's going to. And we all got to rest instead. So, Or, you know, got to go hang out with people and 
then ask yourself, what the hell are you doing? But anyway, um, had a lot of fun, a lot of great stories, a lot of great memories with my, my kid. Uh, I, you know, interviewing Chase Elliott and Ryan Priest in the same night. Pretty cool. Uh, you know, I'm not starstruck, uh, but experiences, they, they mean something to me. Like, you know, you know, I posted it after Byron won the 500 spoiler alert. Um, Hey, you know, no big deal. I got to interview him last year. You know, it's it's just, it's cool. It's an awesome thing that I get to do. I'm very privileged to do what I get to do and the people that I get to meet. And I'm not, listen, this isn't me running around the pits like, hey, take a picture with me, take a picture with me. Oh, look at me, look at me. But I get these natural moments that I'll forever get to look back at and be like, damn, that's me. That's me on NASCAR.com talking to Chase Elliott. No, nobody who's looking at it for Chase Elliott is going, wow, that's that Ryan guy. Nobody gives a shit, but it's cool. My parents are proud. My daughter's proud. People that I'm friends with that didn't even know I did this. I had a, a friend from high school go, yo, is that you on NASCAR.com? And I'm like, it is. And, and they're like, well, I didn't know you did. So many cool moments happen in the World Series. And... Like I said at the top of the show, surviving the World Series means something different to everybody, and so does enjoying it. So I hope that you made it through. I hope you got what you wanted out of it, and I hope you found a way to enjoy yourself. And um, it's crazy, man. Another one in the books. Looking forward to next year and already conserving energy for it because it is a grind. But um, so glad to be a part of it. Thank you all for being part of it with me. Thank you all for listening to... uh, to the program. Hope you enjoyed the recap of another Wild World series. I know I forgot some things, but man, it's crazy. I forget something when we race on a weekly basis. So, um, yeah, with that said, March 9th, family fun night, first points race of the season. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. We'll be talking all about that as we get closer. And uh, I'm going to take uh, the next week or so and pretend like I don't work at a racetrack and just enjoy family time. And um, yeah. When the Florida Modified thing clears up, we'll let you know. So we're going to take our last commercial break here. We'll be back on the other side to wrap up Speed Weeks with all the action from Daytona. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed, We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the SponsorshipSeminar.com. Now, we just had J.R. Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about J.R. and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the SponsorshipSeminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in. Watch the seminar and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the SponsorshipSeminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com 
to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge, and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service, located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open about six o'clock each day and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267 and they're located at 400 chairman court suite 200 in deberry florida 32713 and again their hours are typically 9 a.m to 6 p.m on the weekdays and 10 a.m to 1 p.m on saturdays because you know they gotta get out to the racetrack and whatnot so uh, if you need any body work done paint body whatever you need Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports. And they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 E-Mod slash A-Mod, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, Make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bull Ring at Auburndale and the big track over at the new Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, 
We only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you would like to do, we are open. Um, just message us here on the Race with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back. Third and final segment of the show. We'll catch up on everything that went down at Daytona. Another interesting, wild Daytona Speed Weeks in the books. Uh, We had the duels on Thursday, which actually were really good. Um, I had one eye on my phone watching those races while the uh, World Series was going on. Um, Luckily, got to see some of the the good action there uh, during the red flag of the Pro Late Model, big one. as the Cup Series had a big one with with Ryan Blaney hitting the wall. The, the duels were good. Those are probably some of the best duels that I've... Not that I focus on the duels ever since I started working here, but uh, definitely some of the most well-received duels, even uh, in realms outside of what I do. So, duels were good. Um, what, and then that, that's all they do, right? They just do the duels. They qualify. Who gives a crap about qualifying? Congratulations, Joey Logano. You were a little bit faster than Michael McDowell in whatever um we get a little bit of practice but the weather was so iffy schedules got changed around we had the truck race on friday wreck fest as expected not a bad race i guess but it was a wreck fest um how about that flip man poor uh, tanner gray gets turned around and then our old buddy daniel die just nails him in the driver or the was the driver's door yeah i guess so pa- no it was passenger side and just Lifts him over and flipped him over. Daniel Dye literally drove into the guy, not on purpose. They were wrecking. Daniel had nowhere to go. But he drove into the side of the guy so hard, it just blew the car up into the air and over. And it was a rather interesting flip because he flipped, kind of the air caught it, picked it up, and dropped it down on the oncoming traffic. But he just kind of like surfed. He bounced a little bit on top of the cars and then just gently rolled off on all fours and spun into the infield. It was, it was weird. I'm glad... You, you know, flips are scary because you don't know where physics are going to take you, who's going to hit you, you know, Brian Newman style. Will you catch the grass? Will you catch a lip and start barrel rolling? Will you get hurt? You, you just, you have no control. I mean, you're out of control when you're spinning through the asphalt at 180 mile an hour headed towards a concrete wall too. But, you know, there's a much more controlled environment than being upside down in the air where whatever you do behind the wheel can't change a thing. You know, it's all physics at that point. So definitely scary. Could have been worse. Um, but cool to see Nick, Nick Sanchez get the win. I was pulling for Raja there at the end. And I think Raja, uh, lost the front end and, and kind of caused that big wreck at the end, but, uh, it's a good start for Raja. Glad he's got a good ride this year. Spire Motorsports, probably one of the most interesting teams in all of NASCAR right now with the, are they the next, um, uh, track house? That's what I wonder. Are they the next team to go big? We'll see. Uh, we had the Xfinity race. I'm, I'm going in what should have been chronological order. We had the Xfinity race on uh, Monday night after the cup race. I'm going to tell you, I was, um, God, I was six space dusts in uh, at that point and uh, tired. The race was just okay. Austin Hill is a musician, magician, ma- magician. Um, he is, he's crazy at these super speedways. Like he got in a big wreck. They put a big old patch on the right front. You think, well, that car is not going to have anything. And then he wins the race because they wrecked a lot too. The re- and the wrecks were silly. Like they were just weird wrecks. They weren't, 
spectacular ones that you're going to see in the rec highlights. And you might see a couple of them, but they were just, they happen. We wasted a lot of laps under caution. Then Austin Hill wins and Austin Hill's going to go win Atlanta. So, um, when the Xfinity race was over, I was glad that it was over because I was ready for bed and I slept good. Um, it, yes, I had six base dust from noon throughout the entire day. So don't, don't judge me. I, I like to enjoy my libations while I enjoy my race cars. Okay. Um, it, it was fun. It was fun. Maybe next time, not six though, because that's, those are, those are big boy beers. But anyways, um, the Arca race also happened, uh, Friday after the trucks and it was typical Arca. I, I watched a five minute highlight package, saw a bunch of people wreck, saw Tony Bridinger wreck and blame somebody for writing a check, even though that's, isn't that what she does? Anyway, um, Gustine was not a good teammate, but he got a win and he won at New Smyrna earlier in the week and I'm happy for him. I, again, I didn't watch the whole race. I don't have all the context. I just kind of read some social media stuff and I guess people are mad at Gustine because he was, you're going for a win at Daytona. To hell with teammates on the last lap. Do you? So good on Gus. And then, of course, we had the Daytona 500. And it was a very good race. It was a very good race with a finish that was very meh. It just it just didn't have the pizzazz at the end. And it was shaping up to be an interesting one. And then my biggest fear in these races is they wreck right after they take the white flag. Like, and it's been so close to happening so many times, so many years, 2020, they wreck going into turn number one, didn't throw the caution. Then Ryan Newman gets obliterated. So then last year they wrecked going into turn one, but it was a big wreck and they had no choice but to throw the caution. Um, but this year, I mean like literally feet from the start finish line, they start wrecking. They couldn't react fast enough if they wanted to, to throw the yellow. I think they still would have been technically across the line by the time, like, they got the call. Although that one truck race that one year, they were like, it's like they predicted they were going to wreck and had the yellow as, like, the first car made contact with the wall. So I did read somewhere that they were hoping the cars were just going to spin down towards the grass, but the grass was so wet, it was just hydroplaning you and sending you back straight. Like, there was no spinning through the grass. It was into the grass, back onto the racetrack, and uh, those cars did spin back into oncoming traffic, and it could have been a lot worse than it was. Actually, could have been a serious incident. I, NASCAR had no choice but to call the yellow. Um, and, and it stinks, because Ross had a good run going, and when when the energy gets disrupted like that, you never know where the next run's going to come from and who's going to have the momentum. So if they could have raced even halfway down the backstretch, we could have had a, a different outcome. But... Um, you know, this was a very good race. And I, I, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts where, you know, people talk about the race and why we see the racing, the way we see it into the casual fan. Yeah. They're running a big pack all day, but they spent half the race saving fuel. And you're kind of like, that's weird. Why aren't they going full all out? Like to me though, yes, it's kind of a facade that they're in that big pack going three wide running. And if you don't think about how fast they're running, it, it looks like a spectacle, right? So, yeah, the casual fans like, whoa, this is great, man. They did 100 laps, three wide, never touched. Yeah, yeah, they never touched. They Yeah, they were three wide, they were two wide, lead changes. But, you know, they weren't going full out. But, 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 they the strategy was all over the place that, like, and I'm not big on pit stops, especially at plate tracks because it splits everything up, but I love... 
you know, they get to that pit window and they start pitting and the packs break apart. You get a few extra lead changes in there, which I like. And then they all come back together and it's like, oh my gosh, which pack is going to catch who? Who's actually going to be in the lead here? Whoa, okay, it looks like the Hendrick guys. Oh my gosh, Kyle Busch in the lead with a lap to go. Oh, here comes Team Hendrick around the outside and they blow their doors off. Like, it made for some interesting strategy. You know, Chase uh, Chase Elliott wins stage one when it looked like Kyle Busch was going to win the stage. And then in stage two, you had more of the same kind of strategy. And um, Ryan Blaney wins the stage. And it was, you know, it got... The, the having to pit, the saving fuel, the wild runs as the pack forms back up with just a few laps to go is pretty intriguing. So, yeah, it's kind of a facade, but, you know, isn't every race uh, managing your strategy to make it to the end to try to put yourself in position to win? So if that means we just have everybody putting themselves in position to win, running on top of one another, and listen, in the 500, it's a 200-lap race. There, there's got to be lulls. You know, we can't be... Four wide, cars bouncing off each other every single lap. We can't have a lead change every single lap. We don't want them to wreck every single lap. We had the wreck fests in Xfinity and trucks, and it's just like, you know, I like a good wreck every now and then. I'm sorry, I'm a heathen. But when it's wreck after wreck, and it's like two laps wreck. Oh, we got 10. Oh, they wrecked again. Just, the 500 was really perfect. Like, you had the unexpected incident at the beginning when Brad K bounced off John Hunter Nemechek and sent him into Harrison Burton, who then collected, uh, um, who was it there? Uh, Kaz Grala, Jimmy Johnson, those guys. Um, I, I did not see that wreck coming. And Mike Joy's commentary was great here because they don't have the cameras on it. You don't see it. You just hear Mike Joy get really excited. Whoa, big wreck, big wreck. And it's like, oh my God, it's too early for this. I hope it's not wiping up half the field. Oh, it's two cars. Oh, they're back into traffic. Oh, who do they get? Oh, what a big hit. What a big hit. And I had my mom over. Uh, she works just down the road and she came over out to work to do dinner and coincidentally, the 500 was on. So she watched it and, you know, I'm not going to lie. She thought the race was entertaining. She was into it. She was rooting for Chase Elliott. And um, we got into it quite a bit, watching it with Peyton and Peyton would get all excited when we get excited. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, again, if you, if you make it fun and you just enjoy it, then you can enjoy it. It's funny how that works, right? Um, so yeah, the big wreck early. And then the only other cautions in the, the first two stages were the stage yellows and the, the runs at the end of each stage were exciting. The pit strategy was interesting. I always love seeing them, you know, when, who's going to work with who, you get a couple guys pit and it was just two random cars and you're like, oh man, I bet they wish they would have pitted earlier or later. And um, So yeah, we, we got some interesting strategy, which is not something that we're used to in the 500 and listening to Denny Hamlin, he's like, you know, it never used to be a thing because these cars are so draggy, we can't make the moves we used to make. So we rely on track position more than ever because you can't just come from 18th to 1st in five laps anymore. You got to be in the right line. You got to have the right push. You got to, you know, have things break your way. You got to hope that maybe somebody else jumps out of line and you can keep your momentum up because their their cars are draggy. They just don't do well on their own, which kind of takes some of the craft out of the driver's hand, but puts it more in the pit crew and more into the strategy. So if you like the Richmond races from last year where strategy all over the place, you kind of got a little bit of that in the Daytona 500 in a way. So, um, I did enjoy that. I was glad that we went a while without wrecking, but to me, when they don't wreck for a while, it just builds the anticipation 
And you know, when you still have 20-ish cars in that lead pack, 20 to 30 cars, the energy is there and it builds, it builds, it builds. The anticipation over the final 30 laps of, okay, who's in position here? How are things going to form up after the final pit stops? And when they did, I mean, it formed up quick. And I'm telling you, there was two cars in the field, um, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. They were by far the quickest cars. And uh, Logano led the most laps. I think he led like 45 or 42 laps, something like that. Busch was up near the front, led a few, um, got swallowed up at the end of the stages, as is typical for him. Um, but they had the cars that like, even Bush, he had like a pit road penalty at one point. They left the lug nut off at one point, And he was still able to drive back up into the top 10. And, uh, you know, it was all about, at the end, who was in the right position. And it was getting interesting because Logano was up there, Kozlowski was up there, and the Hendrick car started to get up there. And that's when um, Alex Bowman gave the push to William Byron with eight laps to go. And Byron got a little bit squirrely, came down, collected Brad Kozlowski, turned him up into Logano, and it was on. I mean, it got Todd Gilliland. It got um, it got Hamlin. It who who didn't it get? It was a it was a really big wreck, but it was it was almost slow. It was like the slow one. They they piled in, and there there were some tough hits in there, but it was just kind of everybody was already on top of one another, so the hits weren't super hard into each other. It was just a pileup. It was kind of like the prolate wreck. Everybody just piled up into one another because they were all on top of each other. When you have that many cars in the same bit of space and the track is blocked, there's nowhere to go. So that was dramatic. And then, um, of course, that set up the shootout to the finish. William Byron got the push at the beginning. Ross Chastain got dropped back. Chastain was the leader on the restart, by the way. And he was trying to make his way back up forward, come to the white flag. He got a run, cut down in front of Cindric. Those two went spinning. Caution came out. And I'm telling you, now remember, I you know, had a couple of space dust at this point. And um, they show that in-car camera of Bowman. And when the yellow light comes on, I'm like, ah, they, they hadn't announced a winner yet. And it was kind of chaotic. You know, Peyton's, she's all crazy. My mom's like, so who won? How does this work? What's going on? There was just a lot of noise. And TV was kind of like not saying anything. And I'm like, they think it's Byron, but it looks like it might be Bowman. They must still be looking at it. Now, I've seen the picture um, I think the TV broadcast did a poor job and maybe didn't have access to what they needed to present this better, but they did a poor job. Like, just show us who... I know we're at the end of the window. You got to go because new program has got to come on. Um, but I feel like they did a poor job breaking down who won and why because uh, it looked a little fishy until you got on the internet and, like, you saw the pictures. As the yellow light, like, the main caution light came on, William Byron was ahead. But... If you watch the online or the in-car video of Alex Bowman, you'll see the instant the green light goes out, there's a, a blink of time before, like there's no light and then it goes yellow. And right as that green light went out, so they had pushed the button to switch to yellow and there's that delay. In the timing system, it's instant, but there's that delay getting the electronics to pop up. Watch the video. You'll see green and Byron's ahead. Nothing, Byron's ahead, yellow, Bowman's ahead. So it was a split second too late for Alex Bowman. And I was like, man, I think he got robbed. And I, you know, listen, libations, um, which I feel like I, you guys probably think I've had like six beers and I'm still working through my first one that I started recording on because I've been yapping my trap here. So I'm going to take a quick break. Oh, man, if only Ross Chastain could have won, that bush light would taste better. But um, 
But no, uh, NASCAR got the call right. They had to throw the caution. Um, I've said it before. I wish that on super speedways or tracks that were a mile and over, I wish they would paint a line halfway down the backstretch, not the overtime line, to hell with that thing in a handbasket with the caution clock, to hell with them both. Um, but make a line on the back straightaway and say, if the caution comes out and we're not to that line down the back straightaway, you race, the race ends at that line on the back straightaway. Or if you're past line on the back straightaway, caution comes out and the wreck is, is happening behind you and it's, you know, you can race to the, the start finish line. Then we race to the start finish line. Then the, the yellow comes out and the leader crosses the line. That way we have some semblance of, okay, we know where we're racing to because NASCAR, they have too much control. They push the button and whoever's ahead, right? The drivers, I feel like in a super speedway race now, you've got to be leading at the instant the white flag comes out or you're probably going to lose the race because someone's going to wreck you or the caution's going to come out and it's going to end your day either way. Um, so again, I, I, you know, white flag comes out, caution comes out at a short track or, you know, a Dover Whatever. If it, if the track's over a mile long, you paint a line halfway, you know, you cut the track in half, you paint a line, yellow comes out, you race to that next line. And that's how we didn't, and that's only to determine the finish. If that, you know, caution comes out um, just on lap 16, then you just throw the yellow, freeze the field like we always do. But I'd like to see them paint a line so that the drivers know the race is going to end here and they can race it out instead of like, was I in the lead when NASCAR pushed the button even though I had the momentum and it kind of took the air out of the sails of what was up to that point, a very good 500. Uh, the finish just didn't live up to the hype, but William Byron got the win and he is living up to the hype. William Byron is doing an incredible job. I remember, uh, God, he got his first one at Daytona in what was it? 20, was it 2020, 2019, something like that. And then he won a race. In, okay. So it's 2019 Daytona. He won the last race of the regular season. Then he won that one race at Homestead in 2020, and you're like, all right, he's got it. And then he didn't win another race that year. And then 2021, he won, what did he win? One race? And then got a couple. Then last year he broke out, made the championship four, won six times. You know, he was the Chase Elliott of last year, won a bunch of races, and then, you know, floundered in the championship race. Um, but he broke out last year. Like, he was on the precipice of breaking out. Last year he finally broke out. And now, you know, everyone's like, well, he just won the Daytona 500. He's already backing it up. And everyone's like, oh, no, he's got to keep winning. He's not a household name yet. He's he's just William Byron. Well, the kid could probably win another race in his career. Well, he's going to. But, you know, he could, he could never get back to victory lane. And I feel like he's going to be happy with what he's been able to accomplish. So, obviously, he's 26. He's very young. I, I feel like he's going to win four or five more races this year and be in championship contention. And uh, the last few years, this first race has been a very wild card race, and we've had these different winners. You know, Sindrick, he won his way into the playoffs last year. Uh, McDowell, then we had Stenhouse last year, and those guys never won again during the season, and they locked themselves in the championship. Well, I, I think William Byron winning this race, because he's going to win, I, I would say, at least two more times, two or three more times before the regular season's over. He basically took a spot from one of the underdogs by winning this race. Bowman winning this race makes that uh, championship duel a little bit more interesting because I think Bowman's going to struggle this year. Uh, obviously off to a good start, but 
I don't see Bowman winning on normal circumstances. So I feel like that might have been Bowman's shot and he missed it by half a car length. He missed it by a, a second. NASCAR throws the caution, you know, 100 feet down the road when he's got the momentum built up to pass Byron. It's a whole different story. I think the championship landscape, we, we sleep too much on race one, but race one has such a impact on the championship. And uh, Byron closed the door on these wild, wacky, random people that we've had winning these races lately. So um, I, I could see Byron going to win Atlanta too. And uh, Atlanta's, of course, the next drafting style track coming up here this weekend. But again, very good 500. I enjoyed it. I just wish the ending didn't go. And, and, and I'm not upset about the winner. I just wish we got to race a little bit more because it's just so anticlimactic when they're at the start finish line wrecking as they get the white flag. It's like, oh no. I like, I looked at my mom and I'm like, it's over. Like they're done. That's it. That's it. So, um, let's score this thing. First time I get to say that this year and I'm excited about it. I enjoy uh, scoring these NASCAR races and covering them. And, uh, um, I know NASCAR has its challenges and I don't agree with everything just like you don't, but it is still fun to watch and follow here. So we do it on the show. Um, the racing, I gave an eight. It's this package is okay. It's not great. It's not bad. It's okay. And the race was serviceable. Excitement, I give it an eight. Uh, there were very exciting moments. The stage ends were a lot of fun. That's when they did the most jockeying. The finish, of course, um, very tense. So it gets you excited. And then we got severely let down. So the finish, I gave a two. I, I hated the finish. It just, you know, if Bowman and uh, Byron had been side by side coming to the checkers, that's a whole different story. But the the finish was a bit of a buzzkill, so I gave it a two. Lead changes, uh, 41 lead changes, uh, 36 or more. Scores a 10 on this metric, so 10, lead, 10 is the score for lead changes. Enjoyment, I had 9 out of 10. So, again, another great Daytona 500. But since I started scoring the races like this, this is the lowest at a 7.4. Um, a very good race. Um, most races scoring a seven or higher means they're really good, really thrilling. So, uh, kudos to another good 500. Um, not the best, not the worst. And, um, yeah, congratulations to William Byron. Uh, another 500 in the books. And, uh, we got Atlanta coming up here this week. As I mentioned, um, like I said, I'm going to do the power rankings next week after Atlanta as we go to Vegas. Cause I just feel like right now throw 10 names, on the wall and throw a dart and pick your winner. Um, but we do have our first fantasy segment of 2024 as we did start up the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy league and another good batch of players have joined us and I'm very excited to see how this is going to play out. I know Bob Say was texting me about how his roster was great until eight laps to go and it all went away. So let's take a look at it. Um, while I load this up, I'll give you my fantasy five going into Atlanta. Again, I say take a risk on the drafting tracks. Use some guys you wouldn't normally draft uh, use because um, the draft is such a great equalizer. But I'll tell you the guys that you should have or should think about for your top five. Um, first of all, William Byron. You got to have him. He won Atlanta last year. He just won the Daytona 500. He seems to always be up in contention. at the, He's won Atlanta twice now in the new car with the new configuration. So just William Byron, I think, is a must-start this week. Brad Keselowski as well. Um, he was up front in the 500 and running well. I would say Logano is another guy that you should start this week as well. Um, he won there at Atlanta in a last lap pass on Brad Keselowski last year. So Byron, 
who did I say? Uh, Byron Keselowski and Logano for sure. And then I would throw in Kyle Busch. I don't like at, uh, yeah, uh, Bush. I don't like at, um, at Atlanta. Keep him for Talladega and some of the other tracks gateway for sure. Um, so let's get you two others here as I pulled up, um, pulled up our rankings. Um, God, who else do I like this week at Atlanta? Uh, I feel like you can be a little bit risky. You can think about Corey LaJoy if you didn't use him for Daytona. If you used him for Daytona, you're looking pretty good. Um, let me uh, let me just hit the button here and see who else we can. I would stay away from Bubba Wallace. I'd stay away from Kyle Larson, the other driver that I'd pick for Atlanta here. Uh, Chase Elliott. I, I like Chase Elliott this week. And for a wild card, like a real wild card, like if you're going to dig deep, um, I would go Justin Haley. Think about Justin Haley this weekend. He was didn't get the finish at Daytona, but at one point he was running second. Todd Gilliland might be another sneaky pick. I'm trying to think a little, little bit deeper with another drafting track. You, you don't want to burn up some of these top names before we've even got to a mile and a half track. So maybe you think a little bit deep this week and take a chance on somebody that, like, we're not starting Todd Gilliland anywhere else except, you know, a drafting track. You're not going to start... You know, I don't know. Um, you, you know, you might say Michael McDowell for your road courses. You're not going to start Ricky Stenhouse Jr. anywhere else. So maybe those are some guys to think about. But let's see how week number one went in the Racing with Ryan podcast standings. Let's see. Our Daytona winner was Pemberton. Pemberton got the win with 197 points. He spanked everybody. Cole Trickle came home in second. That is Joe Racine, by the way. A distant third, 138, was my friend Stephen uh, Pitt Penguin. Kitch was fourth at 129. Hunter Young Racing, fifth at 126. Steve Darling from SRQ Taxes at 119. Eight Ball Racing, seventh at 113. Vickery Racing, eighth with 108. I was tied with our defending champion, John Gross, for ninth with 100. So, um, and then, oh, poor Bob save down here in dead last with uh, 45 points. So, um, so myself, John Gross, Staffordshire Motorsports, Richie Petty, Bob, we've all got some work to do going into Atlanta, which again, total crapshoot. And, and I'll tell you what my lineup was. Um, cause it was like Bob, I thought I was looking good. So I had, um, Brad Kozlowski and, you know, looking good until that lap eight, I had his teammate, Chris Busher. Since they worked so well together and Busher won at Daytona last year, I thought that was a good pick. That ended up not being very good. Four points for Keselowski, 20 points for Busher. I had Stenhouse, the defending champ. He was a meh. That was a bad pick. He only got nine points. Austin Sendrick was right there at the end, man. He was like second or third at the white flag and only got me 24 points. Corey LaJoy, my hot shoe this week. I had him in my lineup with 33 points, and I left David Reagan on my bench, who scored 17. So I should have played him because I'm not going to use him for the rest of the year. Should have played him over Keselowski, but I mean, come on. You got to be realistic sometimes and things just don't work out. So interesting start to the season here, guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun at the World Series, of course. I had a great time watching Daytona. Um, I remember when I got home from Daytona on Friday or from Newsmart on Friday and put the trucks on to watch that race as I, you know, wound down from the night and I'm like, NASCAR season's back. I, th- I just enjoy, you know, when I got nothing else going on, and I tape, I tape all these races too, so I don't have to live my life around it. But when I'm home and I got nothing going on, I love to watch a truck race or an Xfinity race or a cup race and just see how things are going to play out. It's intriguing to me. So 
That's why we covered on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed Speed Weeks 2024. Let me know what your thoughts are. Did you enjoy it? What could make it better? What did you see from your perspective that was good? What was bad? Please let me know. I do appreciate your feedback. And, and please know that if you provide me feedback, it doesn't mean it's going to change anything, but your feedback is appreciated. And, uh, you know, if it's constructive, I will gladly send it over to the powers that be. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this was a lot of fun uh, recapping another great World Series, uh, Speed Weeks, all of it. Welcome back to race season, folks. Cannot wait to talk about it all season long with you. And again, thanks for listening. Um, local short track action uh, at Auburndale back this week. I think Citrus is in action this week. I'm I'm going to tell you, I'm so far out of local racing. I can't wait to do the hot mic on Wednesday to see what the hell else is going on with everybody else. So uh, there is some racing coming up this week. And if you want to get out and support your local short tracks, you definitely should. I think they have like pro figure eights coming up at, at Auburndale, which could be pretty cool. So check in the, with the hot mic to get caught up on short track racing as my mind's been total new Smyrna and Daytona for like the last uh, two weeks. So um, I'll get caught up myself on Wednesday and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I, I, I'm probably not going out to the races this weekend, but we'll have plenty to talk about, of course, and uh, we'll, we'll recap Atlanta too. So another full show coming at you next week. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to our sponsors. And uh, yeah, we'll check in with you guys next week. Vroom, vroom on. Vroom, vroom on.